Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. And with me this week, as always, is not Jerry May. <laughs> uh, J- Jerry couldn't make it this week. Uh, he had some uh, some prior commitments going on. So we're going to soldier on without Jerry. But don't fear. It's not just me rambling for 45 minutes. We have an awesome guest waiting in the wings for you guys. But before we get to our guest, I just want to, of course, shout out hipstersofthecoast.com. You know, they bring you Leaving a Legacy every Friday. We really appreciate them. Um, they are just a great site for tons of free, um, magic content, legacy, and all the other formats as well. Um, you can also find us on the top decked app. And also if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. We have awesome rewards, stickers, shout outs, play mats. Um, we are doing another round of play mats and other rewards. So if you haven't gotten your stuff and you know you're do it. Please don't hesitate to send Jerry or I a message or a DM or an email, or whatever, um, just so let us know that you're you're waiting on stuff. We are getting the next uh, round of shipments uh, going out this week. Uh, so before we get into our weekend legacy, I wanted to introduce our our guest, uh, someone I was able to poach immediately after he won the uh, the legacy challenges past week. It's our friend, uh, local mono red player Zach Turgeon. Zach, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Uh, had a fairly good weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seemed you had a very, very jam-packed Sunday, my friend. Yeah, it was a long time. Those, those things are uh, <laughs> those things are more of a grind than you give them credit for. Yes, yeah, especially when. So it was really cool. Like I, I woke up a little late on Sunday because I didn't have the kids, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do with my Sunday? And then I happened to to turn on Twitch, and I saw that you were streaming. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pop in and see what he's doing, and and you were uh, all, already chugging along in the uh, the legacy challenge, and. Uh, uh, by the time I got on Twitch, which was really cool, and man, you just kept it going the whole day. Yeah, I mean, you can't stop in the middle. That wouldn't be very good. <laughs> um, but before we get into your challenge, because I know we'll, that'll be probably the bulk of what we talk about today, um, I did want to just kind of go over the Legacy League that Jared and I did last week. Uh, we did play the Blue Red Freezer Burn um, that was submitted by one of our friends, and I can't recall the name. I think it was Callum, but I could be mistaken. If I am, I will fix that in post. Um, but uh, there wasn't a ton to say with the deck. Uh, we I think we ended up going 2-3. Had some some pretty rough games. It felt like the mana was could be better in that deck. I felt like we flooded out a lot more often than we should. Um, but the deck was super fun. Um, I don't know if people if other people caught the stream. I know we had some good people in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's something that I would be willing to play again, just with a few a few minor tweaks. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, decks like that, you're not going in with a quote unquote like known archetype. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're going to get those two threes. You're going to need to work through stuff. I'm a big believer in, you know, putting in reps on things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a deck that I've never played with. I know Jerry had uh, like a punishing uh, thing in the ice deck. He was brewing up last year around this time. and uh, But that was more with like the Grove of the Burn Willows combo with Punishing Fire. And this was more of like a almost like a blue-red control deck. Um, it just it, – it was, it was super fun to play. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think there was – Probably had some things we could do a little bit better with that deck. So, uh, but yeah, that was it was fun to play. And thank you to everyone who uh, who came and uh, and hung out with us for the for the stream. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, obviously doing the uh, 
the streams with Jerry and I are, are a Patreon reward, and we really appreciate all the support we get from you guys, and it allows us to set aside time every week and try to get those done. So, so thank you for that. Um, but let's move on to the Legacy Challenge, Zach. Um, you had a much better run uh, during the challenge than we did during our league. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the deck you played and kind of how you started out in that challenge? Uh, well, as anyone who knows me, I've been on here uh, once before. I play Red Stompy. Before I played Mog Catcher Stompy, but you know, times are changing. Card they print better cards, and the advantage of playing a weird uh, archetype is that Wizards doesn't exactly know they're printing better cards for you. <laughs> they're not going to make a mistake and print Brainstorm too, but they may print Fiery Confluence accidentally. <laughs> Yeah, Fiery Confluence did some serious work in that deck, man. Right, right. So basically, from where we were last time, before I used to play Mogcatcher Stompy, which used like a Mogcatcher which searches for goblins and puts them into play, it used it as a uh, like a tutor package, so you always had mm-hmm. the right answer. Uh, with this, you... Well, basically, they printed Chandra was what happened. So they printed Chandra, and Chandra is insane. Chandra is uh, just a fantastic card. You're actually seeing it starting to pop up in like Grixis Delver sideboards, and a couple here and there, and like um, not quite the four color pile decks, but a lot of like the mm-hmm. mid rangey blue decks. They're starting to get like one Chandra in them. The card's just very good. But basically, what happened is they printed Chandra, and you wanted to jam Chandra in this deck because it's the best shell for Chandra. It's just a natural fit. So mm-hmm. when you did that, it took too much room from the Mog Catchers and the Siege Gang and the Kiki Jiki <laughs> and the, all the other clunky four drops that were in the deck before. So you had to cut the Mog Catcher package, which meant you had, you know, five or six slots left, so you put in Fiery Confluence. So you're upping your deck's power level, and the combination of Chandra and Fiery Confluence gives you a very similar toolbox feel. You have a bunch of main deck artifact hate and sweepers and direct damage and spot removal and mana and all the stuff that you'd expect out of a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Fiery Confluence, just for those who don't know, because it's not like the most commonly played card in Legacy, is two red-red for a sorcery, and it's it's a modal card, and you get to choose three, but you can choose the same uh, mode more than once. So you get to deal a damage to each creature, uh, deal two damage to each opponent, or destroy target artifact. And we saw you six people quite often. <laughs> yeah, it's it's surprising mode is just, uh, here's a Lava Axe. Yeah. Um, and that's not the worst thing to be doing, you know. Lava Axe is a great card. But the problem with Lava Axe, you know, obviously I'm saying a great card in quotes here because it's, you know, a bad limited card. But -hmm. the idea of Lava Axe is a good card. The problem is there's a bunch of, um, what's the words I'm looking for here? Opportunity cost in running Mm -hmm. that. It's only good when it's going to kill your opponent, Uh, which is why in this past limited set there was a Lava Axe with cycling. And it was really good because when you weren't going to kill your opponent, you could just cycle it away. And when Mm -hmm. you were going to kill your opponent, it was the only thing that was going to win you the game. Fiery (laughs) Confluence is very similar, where if your opponent's at six, they're dead. But if they're not at six, well, you kill some artifacts or you clear out the board. Mm You know, Lava Axe isn't a bad thing. It's just a good option. The problem is when it's limited, it's a bad card. When it's not limited, it's a very good option to have. Mm-hmm. Especially in a deck like yours that can easily easily push that card out turn two if necessary, but it seems a, a lot of times it's, it's a great finisher for the deck. Um, it gives you a little bit of reach when you need it to uh, to clear the way for the Rabble Master token. So it did it did some serious work. It, it it is great reach. It finishes out a lot of opponents. 
Uh, it also gives you outs to things like death and taxes in day one, or sorry, mm-hmm. in game one when, you know, they stick a bunch of their things on the board and, you know, there's a Thalia and you get to five mana and then you're just like, okay, the board's gone and I have a Chandra. Yep. And you can st- start doing stuff like that. And it's worth noting um, something that I was surprised to see when I saw the deck list was Chandra is a straight up four of in the deck. The the two red, red planeswalker for, for, uh, that gives you four loyalty. Um, but that, that card also does some serious work in that deck. I would as many as they would allow me to play is the number I would play. <laughs> because so um yeah, go ahead. It, it it just does everything. It yeah. It shoots stuff down, it draws cards, it shoots the opponent, it has an ultimate that wins through an ensnaring bridge, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So you end up in this situation where uh it, it again, it it does everything. Uh, how many times I know you were watching, but did I just play a Chandra and kill a Delver when Delver was the only thing on the board, or kill a Deathrite yep. Shaman was the only thing on the board, and then yep. you're left with this personal Howling Mind slash Sulfuric Vortex, and your opponent just can't get anywhere. Right, and it helps because it usually comes out after you've already played a Chalice, or after you've played a Trinisphere, so it makes them being able to remove or answer the, Ch- the Chandra uh, much more difficult. Right, it normally comes down either later because it costs four. Occasionally, it didn't actually happen on stream yesterday, but there is a large, per- or not large, but a decent percentage of the time where I'll just cast a turn one Chandra. And you just be like, how, how does that end up working out for you? Is that like where you want to be with the deck, or is that just kind of where your hand puts you? You will win almost every game you cast a turn one Chandra, and it's not Force of Wilt. That being said, you'll win every game where you cast a Blood Moon or Chalice or Trinisphere. The entire idea is to leverage the fact that your opponent doesn't always have Force of Will, and you're going to put a bunch of mana and a bunch of resources into one big haymaker. Almost similar to like what Belcher does, where they toss away their hand and they put in a Belcher and they kill you. I'm going to toss in my hand and I'm going to put on Blood Moon and I'm going to kill you. The difference is when Belcher fails, Belcher can't win. Uh, we saw many times I was Force of Will, and that just left me with you know a land and a Rabble Master and a Chandra. And that's just a much better position for me. I do give up the ability, you know, sometimes I play the wrong lock piece. I'm just, I guess wrong. Uh, sometimes they get out of it. It happens. So you don't have the pure, like, Belcher, I kill you moment. But you have such a better fallback. And it lets you go in all the time. Because you can have a good fallback. You don't fear, you know, playing a turn one Blood Moon. And it getting countered, and then you having four cards. Because if you have a good enough fallback, well, they gave away two cards to Force of Will you. Right. So it's very proactive. So the other the other thing I was kind of just thinking of was um, this deck seems to be in a bit, bit better position now. Um, and I was kind of thinking of the cards that I feel like, not that this deck is weak to, but cards that would give it fit. Something like um, uh, like like a card that would answer Miracles beforehand, right? When Miracles is the top deck. A card like Abrupt Decay that could, that could crush a Counterbalance or could crush a, a Sensei's top. Um you know, I assume that we're seeing less of those in the metagame than we were before. Um, decks that used to play two or three in the main might have cut those down now that they're not seeing as many mir- many Miracles decks out there. Right. Is that like is that kind of like enemy number one of this deck is are like the, the Abrupt Decay decks? Uh, no, not at all. The Abrupt Decay decks are very easy. Uh, mostly because Abrupt Decay, while a good card against you, costs black-green. Mm-hmm. So normally they can't get to the Abrupt Decay. Sure. Uh, Enemy number one are decks that just do not care about what you're doing. Okay. Uh, um, and they're very disparate decks. They're very different. Um, things like Death and Taxes. Uh, Death and Taxes 
does not care if you Trinisphere them or Chalice them or Blood Moon them or Magus of the Moon them. They care if you Ensnaring Bridge them, but only kind of, because they still have a bunch of ways out of that thanks to Flicker Wisp main deck. Like, they just don't care. You have some things in Fiery Confluence, but you're going to jam this thing down. You'll be like, how's my turn one Blood Moon? And they're going to go Plains Mother of Runes. You'll be like, yep, I have screwed up. Um, Burn, for a similar reason. Don't get me wrong, Chalice and Trinisphere can definitely just beat up Burn. But, again, you're going to lead with a Blood Moon, and they're going to play a Goblin Guy, and you're going to be like, I cannot win this match. Uh, And the biggest one of all is um, Sneak and Show. Because all the things I mentioned, the only one that matters is Chalice, because it just stops their cantrips. But they're doing something so over the top of you that... And on top of that, they have a bunch of basics and uh, Lotus Petals to make blue. All they need to do is put Show and Tell in play, and I ha- maybe, maybe have one of my four bridges is my only hope. And even then, that's not always a hope. You know, sometimes they can break it, sometimes they have a Jace. It's real hard, even if Crystal Brand can't attack, to beat a Crystal Brand. Like, so it, it's, it's decks that, because you're so proactive... It's decks that don't care about your proactiveness. You're because you're going all out on turn one, doing something, and if you're just wrong, well, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that kind of like the all-in that the the mono red deck is versus like I, I mentioned, you know, kind of in the pre-show, like I really like playing Eldrazi Stompy, but sometimes like the way that deck loses, there are just times where you're in top deck mode or you just get a hand that you're just like a chalice on one or a chalice on zero is not going to get you there in time. Um, how do you deal with like a deck that sometimes you're just not going to draw the cards you need and there's really no way, not like you don't have, basically you don't have brainstorm to draw you into those cards, right? That, that's what we're really talking about is you don't have those brainstorms to, to smooth out your hand. How do you deal with a deck that like doesn't give you that kind of an out? Do you want the answer of on the philosophical level or how I personally deal with it? I like both actually because I think they're both really interesting. Um, well, how I personally deal with it is I can look at the stats and go, hey, I'm not going to draw what I need every game. I get that. Because I can look at the stats and go, look, my win percentage is high enough that I can accept the games that I lose. It's just more obvious the games that I lose. Because when I don't draw my cards off the top, and you know I draw land, 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 everyone goes, oh, you don't have Brainstorm. This is your fault. And it is to some degree. But when someone has a Brainstorm and they brainstorm, and they find something, and it doesn't work out, and they brainstorm and ponder again, and they don't find the right things, and they find other cantrips, no one looks at them and goes, oh man, your deck is threat light. But the truth is that those decks are, because they have to make room for these cantrips to have the right things at the right time. So it's it's just looking at it a bit differently, and under- looking at the end result, and going, hey, I have uh, you know an XYZ win percentage, however I get there, is fine by me. If that means that some games I don't get to play, sure, it's, it's magic. That happens to everyone at Ivory. Everyone mulligans to four sometimes. It just happens. Um, and from like a philosophical point, it's the whole, you know, accept the things you can't change thing. I, I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to manipulate the top card of my deck. There's nothing I can do about what cards I draw. Maybe it's a bit more zen than I am as a person, but at least I can understand. I can look at it and go, hey, I played the hand I was dealt. I played it to the best that I think I can, or sometimes I don't. But in this case, I'm going to say the best that I think I can. And if I didn't get it, so, oh well. 
you know, there, there's obviously some people who, you know, tilt off at those things going, oh man, I drew 20 lands in a row, or my opponent actually in the, uh, uh, the quarterfinals, the quarters, no, the semifinals, one of those finals, the one I actually played, whose Delver didn't flip for seven oh, yeah, turns was, in a row. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've all been there, but that was, that was pretty brutal because you, you were just, you were just drawing dead at that, not drawing dead, but you just weren't drawing live cards for yourself. I think you were just kind of going land, 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 and they were just trying to flip this Delver the whole time. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Is, so, because I limited their cantrips, they didn't have the threats to kill me. They just had a bunch mm-hmm. of useless cantrips because of this chalice. So yep. we ended up in a situation where their thing wasn't flipping because they kept hitting lands and I kept hitting lands. And in the end, they were like, oh my god, it didn't flip. You know, I drew so many lands in a row, this is impossible. But at the same time, if you look at my deck, I drew however many lands in a row. Yep. I just didn't have a Delver inflated play not right. to flip. <laughs> right, so exactly. it's not that it's impossible, it's that understanding, hey, your top cards are your top cards, and if you keep winning, you're probably doing something right. Mm-hmm. So just understand that some days you're you're going to be the nail and not the hammer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so I, how much of the like the the main part of the tournament did? Because it was what seven rounds and a cut to top eight. Uh, it was seven rounds and a cut to top eight. Okay, you went six and one in the in the uh, in the seven rounds, correct? Yeah, I only lost to Dredge. Okay, okay, you lost to Dredge. Any any games there stick out? Before, you know, before getting into top eight. Oh, hmm. It was a long day. I mean, you were playing... So, so one of the things I want to just kind of pat you on the back for is not only were you playing in the Legacy Challenge, which, like, when I play Legacy and I, like, I'm like i playing for something that is considered what I consider higher stakes than, like, a, a league, a throwaway league, I'm really focused on that, and that's where all my attention is going to. But you are also, like, at times double-queuing leagues so that your viewers had a chance to, like, watch Legacy the entire time. Uh, that was pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up on the uh, version before this for Magic Online, mm-hmm. uh, where it was much easier to double queue, uh, and as such, I got really good at dividing my attention at things. Though, admittedly, this deck doesn't take a ton once it's got its right pieces in place. It's a lot of sitting around waiting for your opponent to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of like double queuing and with this, it, it was fine. I'm, I'm kind of looking over stuff now, and I don't think I had any super memorable matches, which is kind of the way this deck goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the most memorable thing that happened was that Delver not flipping. Yeah. Um, both the Delver not flipping and then my uh, first opponent in top eight literally not playing a card. Yeah, that was rough. Like, I think uh, game one they played, they, they mulled to four. I think they ended up playing, like, two Misty they, Rainforests. They played two Misties. Right? Yeah. And, and and I thought maybe they were in fact, but you actually had the call that they were on Storm, correct? Uh, Yeah, it seemed right. Like, um, a couple people in chat mentioned it as well. They, the, the way they played, it made me lead to think they were either on some Delver deck or Storm. So I just mm-hmm. kind of boarded half and half for that. And uh, ended up getting them with lock pieces in game two, and they never get out of it. Yep, yep. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was unfortunately a non-game, which is kind of, I'm sure a bummer for your opponent. But it was great to see you kind of take the the quarterfinals uh, fairly easily. Yeah, no, it's it's always good to get um, 
some non-games. I'd prefer they not happen in the top eight. But yeah. that being said, this deck gets a lot of non-games. It, it forces yeah. them. I just don't like it wins because my opponent mulligan to four in top eight, and you know, I'd rather at least have some good fight. Yeah, that is that is kind of how the game goes, though. Sometimes, right? Um, so, actually, before we get to, into the the, uh, the final two games that you got in top eight, did you want to kind of just run down the list real quick and tell us about the cards in the deck? I know we we talked about Chandra and we talked about Fiery Confluence, but we can even just go right through the deck list and uh, sure and talk about them. Uh, so. Is does there anything stick out to you, or do you want me to just literally go by so, card by card? So the one that I thought was pretty interesting. Well, obviously Goblin Rabbit Master. Now we've talked about it on the cast before, but then I got to see the card actually do work, and man, that card really does does pump out dudes, and it does some serious damage over the course of two or three turns. Uh, yep. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah. So the one thing I will say about this list is I've been playing it for like six years now, so. Every card in here is a conscious decision, so I can talk to literally every card. And Rabble Master is certainly a con- um, a controversial one at this point. Um, at one point, everyone was running it, and now it's down to pretty much me. A lot of people are moving more sweeper-based uh, and just trying to win with Chandra's. Um, right. So they play the uh, additional copies of some other Chandra's and then some more sweepers, and just being a far more prison-based deck. Um, the reason that I've decided to stick with Rabble Master is because in combo matchups, uh, Rabble Master's ability to steal combo games, uh, you don't get with Chandra's. So the ability to go, here's my turn one cha- or Chalice or Trinisphere or Blood Moon, and your opponent's like, oh, I can beat this, uh, I just need to draw my basic or my removal spell or whatever answer they have. And then you plop down a Rabble Master and like, I have four turns, I have three turns to draw it. Because the, right, yeah, it seems to put pressure on them really, really quickly. Yeah, the math on Rabble Master is it does one the turn it comes down, and then four, six, eight, dead. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, why did I say four? It's one, six, eight, dead. So yeah. um, you does one the turn it comes down, and then three turns later they die. And that's just if they're at 20. Uh, it gets shortened if you have a Fiery Confluence. It gets shortened if you have a second Rabble Master. It gets shortened if mm-hmm. you have a Hazard. Yeah, I got to see the double Rabble Master and like turn to you on like the second turn you were attacking with or the second turn they were in play. You were attacking with double Rabble Master and like and like three tokens I think and it was just it was, I think I think it just killed him like straight out from there. It was it was Oh, that crazy. would deal something like uh let's see. If it was three tokens and two Rabble Masters, each of those Rabble Masters would be dealing five uh sorry, each of those Rabble Masters would be dealing six. So that would be twelve plus three. That's fifteen. Yeah, it was. It was just like double rap master, just in for the game. Was great. Yep, that's that's how quickly you can take it a game, which is important to me because this game or this deck works off the idea that you place a lock in place and just completely mm-hmm. kill your opponent before they're able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And rabble master is one of the quickest cards at that. And that's why it still has that spot in my deck. Another card that I thought was really interesting, and again, something I got to see you fling a few artifacts with, was Pia and Kieran Nolar. And again, I know we talked about this on the cast, but then seeing it in action um, was a little bit more eye-opening. Can you talk a little bit about this card? I know you're only running the one of, but is it just giving you the reach you need in those games, or helps you deal with the pesky Delvers and and, and Death Rites? Uh, so, there's a lot of decks that it's really good against. Um, Delvers, uh, like Delver, Infect... Um, it's just a generically good card because it's three bodies. It's similar to like Lingering Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, the it you can win behind a bridge with it. You just need food for it. Uh, additionally, you can do the I draw my card, I attack with two one ones, I play my card to you know get over a bridge to get two a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just a good all-around card. I'd like to fit another one in the list, but unfortunately the four slot is a little clogged, and you don't want to go up on it anymore. It just it's a casualty of the way this deck's built is it has a lot of powerful threes and fours, and that's obviously what mm-hmm. you're trying to accomplish. But you can't go too heavy on the fours because you need some games just to... Uh, like, a couple times people saw it. I mulliganed to four or whatever and was like, okay, well, I have a turn one Rabble Master. If that's a P and Kieran, it's like, I have a turn one nothing. Right. And you need to have some amount of like aggressive base threes to be able to punch in early. Because if you have two fours, you know, you can only put them down so early. If you have a three and a four, you can, uh, you know, back-to-back them, and you get so much more pressure on. Um, the other card, that, another card I thought that was really good was also Hazard the Fervent. Um, it seems really good behind the ensnaring bridge. Um, a great way to, to keep your hand pretty low while also being able to deal damage to your opponent. Yeah, uh, she's just really good um, by being, like, there's a lot of little ins and outs of that card. Um, you keep yourself under bridge, uh, you do damage, you know, two at a time through the bridge, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it does add up. You don't need too many turns normally. Um, when there isn't a bridge in play, she beats down like no one else in the format. Um, and the indestructible on that makes a lot of difference because some decks can't actually kill her or can't get her off the board at all. So even when your opponent uh, it's kind of weird to say, assuming we're at equal life totals, if my opponent jams my dreaded nemesis, you know, true name nemesis, a card that I can't actually answer, but I have a hazard, they need to leave the true name nemesis back to block, because that's not a winning race. And because they can't actually get uh, her off the board, there's not a ton that, like, you just kind of ping them for two a turn, you go around the uh, um, true name nemesis. Um, all right, so we got the four Magus of the Moon, which are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, four Chalice, four Bridge, four Chromox, uh, two Trinisphere, four Blood Moon, the four Chandra, which, again, I think it's really cool that that, that Planeswalker's a four of in the deck. But, man, really, like, again, saw it do some serious work in that deck all day on on Sunday. Yeah, she just does everything. Like I said, she slices, she dices, she Julians. She <laughs> just literally... There's, there's four abilities there, and the secret is there's five abilities, because mm-hmm. the first one's two abilities. You know, you can always deal the two, and sometimes you get a card. Um, yep. And then the ability to have, you know, extra mana when you're being wastelanded is pretty important. Um, mm-hmm. The Again, it's kind of strange. I've had people be like, oh, have you ever won with her ultimate? Literally the first time I cast her, I won with her ultimate. <laughs> it's n- not an uncommon occurrence. It's, I'd say, probably 30% of your games end in Chandra Ultimate, or your opponent conceding when she's on 7, one of the two. Because she ticks up really fast. She comes down on 4, um, and the way Legacy works, creature sizing is not big, which is one of the things you're actually starting to see. If you look at all the lists, you're starting to see more and more Planeswalkers come in. And one of the reasons for that is that creature sizing is very, very small and efficient, but not an, able to take out these huge chunks. So if your opponent has, you know, Scourge of the Format, Deathrite Shaman, and you have a Chandra, that Deathrite Shaman is never killing that Chandra. If your opponent has a Delver and it gets shot down and they have nothing, they need to deploy things on the board that are going to be big enough to kill it by the time it ticks back up, which is actually kind of rare because, you know, someone has, um, like, you 
Tarmogoyf is seeing pretty low play. Angler is seeing a bunch of play, but there's ways you can get around that, though Angler is one of the weaker points for this deck, admittedly. But besides, like, uh, Angler, you see a lot of ones and twos, and then you see kind of like the Angler, Tarmogoyf, you know, fives, and then you see 2020s. The big bads, yeah. Right, there's very little in that middle, like, three to four area that actually pressures Planeswalkers well and gets out in time. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that, that card just does work. And just the, the minus seven, for those who don't know, is that's when you get an emblem. Whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to start creature or player. Right. It's most, the two most common ways to win are you just minus seven and then you play like a, um, like a Simeon Spirit Guide or something that was in your hand and you deal them five mm-hmm. and then they're at five and you're like, okay, the next spell I draw kills you, right. regardless of your counter spells. Um, or what can very often happen is you have like a chrome mock sitting in your hand or a, in this case, a fiery confluence and you're just like minus <laughs> fiery confluence, you 11 play chrome mock 16 yep. and just, <laughs> you don't think of it in that big of a chunk, but like people think they're safe. Like, okay, he needs a couple spells. He's got a card in hand. You play a fiery confluence and they're like, oh, I'm just dead. Yeah. I mean, she comes down, you tick her up with two, I mean, two different abilities tick her up to five when she comes down. She's not that far from seven. She's not that far from going ultimate. No, not at all. Especially not when you consider that she helps protect her. She has a protect herself ability and the ability to like draw to ensnaring bridges or uh, confluences or other things that protect her. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and she helps cast them like on her other ability. So, right. Yeah, it's pretty, it's just a really efficient uh, planeswalker. Um, so we were also running the four fiery confluence, which again, s- did some serious work uh, all day uh, on Sunday, which is really cool. And then a uh, four tomb, four city, uh, 11 mountain. How do you like, how do you feel about this mana base here? Uh, this is probably, this is the most stock part here. This is pretty much the mana base you're going to see. Occasionally someone will have a crystal vein. Occasionally yep. someone will have a gemstone cavern. Um, but realistically you're going to see 19 to 20 lands, all eight soul lands, 11 to 12 mountains. Uh, I'm playing all four Chrome Moxes, so I'm playing 19 lands. Okay. Okay. Um, and then just to go down the uh, the sideboard real quick, which I'm not sure how often this this changes for you. Not um, that often. Okay. Two two Sorcerer Spyglass, two Quicksmith Rebel, which I have to admit, I actually don't know what Quicksmith Rebel does. Neither do any of my opponents. <laughs> so Quicksmith Rebel is, is three and a red for a Human Artificer. Do you want to read the, uh, the text or tell us the text on that card? Sure. Uh, so what... Uh, it's a 3-2 Artificer for 3 and a red. Uh, when it enters play, uh, target a, um artifact you control. Uh, that artifact gains tap, deal 2 damage to target creature or player. Uh, forgive me if that's not the exact wording, that's from memory. Um, but basically it soul bonds with an artifact, and mm-hmm. as long as Quicksmith Rebels around, the artifact gets to tap to shock things. Right, which is pretty sweet because again, it's something that will shoot down an opposing Delver or Deathrite Shaman or other creatures that are that are giving you fits or just faces them. Right, right. So, uh, despite this being a three-two on an uncontested board, it's like a five-two because mm-hmm. you do you just shoot them. Um, and there's a couple tricks with this card, specifically um, that the artifact shoots them. So, protection from color does not matter. Okay. Um, so you can shoot things through Mother of Runes. I was just going to say, a perfect example is your Nemesis and Death and Daxes. And that's why it's there. Um, yeah. Also, like decks like Delver and Infect, like I was mentioning, creature sizing. Except for Angler and Goyf, everything dies to this Quicksmith Rebel. 
mm-hmm. you just you know here's my Deathrite Shaman, shoot it. Here's my Lurin piece, shoot it. Here's whatever, you know, even Monastery Mentor, you get to, like, shoot it on end step, they'll play a spell, and then go to your turn, you shoot it again, they don't have a second yep. spell, that type of thing. Uh, py- young Pyromancer dies. Um, Quicksmith Rebel just allows you to consistently apply pressures at creatures to clear the board, uh, while also being able to, like, apply pressure at Planeswalkers and players when the board is clear. Very cool. Is this something that you bring in in the Delver matchups as well? Oh, yeah. It comes in like, okay. against, like, Delver, Death and Taxes, Infect, that that type of stuff. Stuff with uh, small killable creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, just the ability to repeat, you know, every time you tap that, you draw a shock, is what yeah. happens. You draw a zero-cost shock. And you do that two or three times. These decks are, like I mentioned earlier, threat light. You know, even if they can keep finding them, they're going to run out eventually. What mm-hmm. normally ends up happening is you, you know, shoot a death right, and then you shoot a death right, or you shoot a delver, and you attack through a death right, and then you shoot a death right, and then they're like, oh, I don't deploy anything, and you're like, okay, I win. Because your right. opponent has no recourse at that point to stick uh, presence on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they do stick presence, like let's say they actually land down their angler, you just attack the quicksmith rebel into the angler, and if they block, you shoot the angler and you trade your quicksmith rebel for their angler. So, you get to fight through all their stuff for zero mm-hmm. mana while still allowing you to deploy your own stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, very very efficient there. Yeah, it's a weird, it's not even playable in standard, but it happens to fit into <laughs> what this deck wants to do, and it has enough cool little tricks that uh, it's worth it, especially against something like Death and Taxes. Okay. And then uh, we're also seeing a pair of Kozilek's Return to the Sideboard. You're just using this for the sweeper effect. Obviously, you're not casting any Eldrazi creatures uh, to get the uh, the added bonus on this card. No, it's just an instant speed sweeper effect that um, the two upsides to it are it, again, kills through protection, so another yep. death and taxes nod. And it costs two and a red versus Volcanic Fallouts, uh, one red red. So you, mm-hmm. it's easier to cast in a deck like this that has eight soul lands. Right. Also, imagine it's it's nice having it being devoid, so it can't be power blasted or red blasted. Uh, yeah, that is an is added like, bonus, that's but probably frank- rare though. Frankly, I'd rather have it just be red, you know, for really? that for that purpose, so I could put it under a chrome box. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. Because <laughs> it's weird because you can't. It doesn't. It won't tap for anything. That card's not right. Red. I, didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, that that's something that someone will do at some point, and you'll go, oh, "I'm sorry, sir, buddy. That that doesn't work." <laughs> but uh, for what it's worth, the the ability to go around um, protection is good, and the instant speed's good, and the color cost is good. So it, it's all worth it. Okay, and then we're also seeing um, a, a four Scab Clan Berserker in the sideboard as well. Uh, yep. So Scab Clan Berserker is my generic anti combo hate. Um, I don't know if it's actually better than something like a pyrostatic pillar or a thorn, but mm-hmm. the idea behind it is uh, it's aggressive on its own right, so you can board it in against like miracles, and you just get an extra beater against them. Um, and your ability to hit someone uh, and put this like um, what's the name? Uh, Eidolon, like pyrostatic pillar type effect, right, and right. still keep beating down at a deficient pace. So you, if you, let's say because this deck uses a lot of its um, things on turn one, you don't often get huge follow-ups. Right. Uh, you get a couple, but maybe you uh, have to keep a hand that you want your specific sideboard card to actually win you the game. If I jam a pyrostatic pillar against Storm, and I don't have a follow-up on turn six, they go, okay, 
Chain of Vapor, your pyrostatic pillar, kill you. But if you play this, they're dead before they get to get to that card. Their life is too low, because it punches for three every turn. Uh, additionally, you don't get um, blown out by Hercules Recall, because Hercules Recall uh, makes you pick up all your artifacts, so against a deck mm-hmm. like Storm, you're going to Trinisphere them and Chalice them. But if they have a single Hercules Recall on end step, they make you pick everything up, and then they kill you. Having this makes Recall not as good, because if you have a Trinisphere and this, and they have a Hercules Recall, they can't get rid of them both. Okay. Yeah, it seems it seems uh, again really sweet. Uh, just a a good uh, role player in the in the sideboard there. Yeah, like I said, it it comes in a lot against like uh, more niche decks that aren't putting down blockers. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I was playing against like Standstill, I would bring this card in. Okay. Just because like it's it's an additional beater, and I understand I need to get on the board as quick as possible to stop mm-hmm. them from taking over. Uh, so we also see two Bray in the sideboard, which has been just a an all star on a lot of sideboards in Legacy, it seems. Yep, uh, just a uh, good all around card. Yeah, not a, not a lot to say about a braid. Um, and then your graveyard hate for the weekend was three fairy macabre. Uh, yep. So the last three spots online, I'm gonna say they're always gonna be some graveyard hate spots. Maybe there should even be a fourth. I'm not gonna lie. But in real life, there's a little bit less like black red reanimator going around. There's a lot of yeah. it going around online. Because it's right. pretty cheap. Right. So, in real life, I either fluctuate between, like, three fairies or ley lines or um, what I'm currently using. I have a null rod and two coughs. I don't know how I feel about that. Just because I've been facing a lot more blue decks locally and been trying out having sideboard coughs to kind of punish them and get in an extra resilient threat. Okay. Um, all right, so let's go. Um, we kind of talked about your storm uh, matchup in the top eight, which was again, again, sort of a non-game. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about the Grixis Delver you faced in the uh, semifinals and the finals? Um, as far as I could tell, they were both pretty stock lists, and um, like if I'm going through it right now, I'm kind of trying to jog my memory on what matches were what. The there was the match where again the Delver didn't flip, and that one. Was the memorable one? That was the semifinals, right? Uh, yes, that was the semifinals. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was against uh, Aaron Relentless. I don't know who right. that is, but uh, they their Delver doesn't flip, and they end up losing effectively because of it. I, I pull out of it before they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't really know how to describe it. Actually, I will say in that match, if you watch that, um. On turn one, I keep a no-lander. Uh, and that is something you have to do with this deck. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, when I... Was it like Chromox, Chromox? Yeah, it was Chromox, Chromox, Simeon Spirit Guide, Magus in the Moon. Okay. Um, and then they... And that is like the ultimate force check hand, right? Right. And they had the force. I end up winning the game. But... You need to keep these type of hands. You can't look at this mm-hmm. and go, oh my god, I got nothing. Because that's what this deck's built to do. The, having those free wins is factored into this win percentage of this deck. If you mm-hmm. don't keep those hands, you're going to be like, why am I losing all the time? Why you know, why am I mulliganing myself to death? Understand that if your hand does something that gives you an, a high chance to win on turn one, you should keep it and you should do it. 
Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, it's like I said, I I pitched my whole hand to two Chrome Moxes, and then I played a Magus, and then on turn two I played a Chalice, yep. and you, I just there was nothing I could do if my opponent had answers, and they did right. have answers, but their Delver didn't flip because the Chalice resolved, and we went on for a while, blah blah blah. I end up pulling out of it before they do. It's yep. as simple as that. Um. You just need to keep those type of hands. So I, I think that's a good teachable moment from this deck is that if you're going to do, if you're on the play, you want to do something on turn one or two. If you're on the draw, you really want to do something on turn one. And then you have the opposite type of hands where you're just going to try to grind people to death, which you'll know when you see them and you're like, oh, they're they kind of weak to Fiery Confluence. And I have two mm-hmm. Fiery Confluences, a Chandra, uh, some mana, and like, uh, turn two Blood Moon on the draw. And you're like, yeah, they're going to counter the first Blood Moon. They're going to put some stuff down. You're going to confluence the board away, and then you're going to stick a Chandra. So you just, it's very textu- contextual to what your opponent is doing. While your plays are fairly scripted in the sense that, like you said, you don't have a lot of selection, um, knowing what your opponent's deck wants to do and what cards are good against them at what times is very important, especially mm-hmm. when mulliganing. Okay. Um, and then we go to the top eight match, which I run very quickly again. Where yeah, it seemed like top eight did not was not a grind. No, mo- most of my matches weren't. I finished twenty five matches of Magic in seven and a half hours. <laughs> Is that how many you ended up playing? Yeah, I ended Jeez. up counting it. I, f- I finished twenty five matches of Magic. Twenty five, man. Yep. Some of them double queued. Oh, that is true. <laughs> what but... was your overall record? Do you do you recall? Uh, well, in the event, I went one, so I lost one, so that would mean I won, it was seven rounds, so I won nine, so I was nine and one there, uh, and then I went two and three, two and three, four and one, four and one. Okay. Yeah, that's what ended up happening. (laughs) So I went four, one, four, one, two, three, two, three, so whatever that ends up coming out to, I'm not going to add that up right now, but. I mean, you're well over 500 for the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. you played that much Legacy in a single day. Yep. That is impressive. <laughs> no, it's it's the way this deck plays it. You don't yeah. spend a lot of time sitting around. Uh, I don't go to time personally because I play fast and because the, the deck also plays fast. It's yep. real hard um, to go to time at least. So, you know, that that's... It is what it is, I guess, in that case where you get to get in a lot of reps you yep. get to see what hands work and what hands don't, which is again an upside to this. So now, so you win, you win the challenge. I assume you opened all your chests on stream, correct? Because that's what you have to do. Uh, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> uh, I am currently out of work and can't really take that risk of losing like three hundred dollars. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was awesome. The stream was super fun to watch. I think you did a great job of. One thing that I think that um, people who don't stream don't understand is that I find at least uh, challenging um, just like uh, talking through your plays, but also um, uh, thinking enough about what you're doing. Like it's a little bit difficult for me to talk about my thought process, but also be really critical in in what I'm thinking. Um, And then at the same time, also just not like not timing out often enough or, you know, or not running long on time when, when you really shouldn't be when you're just kind of playing and thinking in your own head. Uh, I thought you did a really good job of that myself. Uh, yeah, I've been streaming in the weekdays because, again, I don't have a job at the moment. Um, so I've gotten a be- lot better at that. Uh, the ability to 
you know, look at multiple screens, do things, uh, talk about something while thinking about something else, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah, it's very impressive. Uh, and you did, you also did a good job, like I said, keeping the stream entertaining. Like you, you played in between in between rounds, and again, double queued as at times when you had to. So that was really, really, really sweet. Um, uh, so was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we moved on to the upcoming SCG Worcester? Um, I'm just looking at the. I put something up in the Facebook group before, and I want to see if there was any actual. Uh, oh yeah, questions I think, here. Yeah, I saw. I saw our best. Our our good buddy Aaron was just trolling chat. And we're not. Even, we're not even gonna. We're not even gonna acknowledge most of these questions. I think that's fair. Um, but I'm gonna look if there's any legitimate ones. Uh, d- so Dominic Monfrey had a pretty good one. What are your worst matchups? And I think we've already touched on that, but it's probably worth reiterating here. Uh, Death and Texas and Sneak and Show are definitely the yep. worst. Um, right now, Dredge isn't that good because I'm using Fairies because Black Red Reanimator is the uh, more common graveyard hate mm-hmm. or graveyard hate needing deck. Um, so it's a lot better when you have ley lines. But it's kind of rough at the moment. Okay. Um, oh, he also asked, what's the spiciest card you've tried that failed? Oh, God, there's lots. There's too many. Um, <laughs> well, you've been on the deck for so long, too. I can imagine the list is rather long. Okay, I, I know the one. And okay. I'm not going to say this failed. I'm just going to say it's not needed right now. Uh, and that is Jockle Hops. That is right. Four red, red, destroy uh, all lands, creatures, and artifacts. Um, I had it in my sideboard for a while, and it had its place in matchups, but it just ended up being too expensive in the long run. And when Miracles kind of shifted out, you didn't need it as much. Uh, But it is noted that when you cast that, Hazard lives, uh, Blood Moon lives, and Chandra lives. So that was effectively the quote-unquote combo with it, is you'd stick a threat and then play a card which would destroy the board except for your threat. Wait, how can Blood Moon lives how? Because uh, uh, you do not destroy enchantments with that, because red cannot kill oh, enchantments. I'm thinking, I saw artifacts, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Blood Moon for artifact. Oh, really interesting. Yep, so oh, cool. you would stick a Blood Moon, and you're, you know, you'd play a turn on Blood Moon, your opponent would crack their fetch and get their basic. And yeah. then they'd play the game, and you'd blow everything up, and they'd be like, oh, my two basics are in my graveyard. I'm like, yep, they're, they're gone. <laughs> the, the Blood Moon's here, though. Right, right. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, that, that's a card I've never had cast against me. I'm glad I haven't. I imagine it's not very fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it was an explosion. <laughs> um, Aaron actually has a kind of a funny one, so we'll, we'll give him this one. He said He asks, if you had a dollar for every salt mine you opened running this deck, how many dollars would you have now? Um, online, I'm going to guess a lot. In real life, <laughs> not as many. I'm told I'm pleasant to play against in real life. I don't, I don't understand why. I can uh, second that. You're a pretty, you're a pretty jovial guy, I think. Maybe. I, I think it's because I accept that I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I think, honestly, most prison players are, I think, are generally just kind of like, uh, uh, just not pleasant people to be around. At least, I mean, you know, the, the ones that I've had a lot of contact with. I think you're on the opposite of that spectrum. So I think you do a good job. Uh, if I wasn't nice, people would players. stab me. Have you seen what I do? <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it actually does con- come down to accepting, you know, it's a game. We're both here to play the game. We were each allowed to put whatever cards we wanted in our decks. I've chose these ones. You've chose those ones. Maybe they don't match up for you, but I'm sorry. I understand I'm the bad guy here. That doesn't mean we can't have fun doing it. 
Of course, of course. You're the fun police, right? Isn't that isn't that what you are? I'm no, I'm not the fun police. I'm just the police. <laughs> I don't care if my opponent's having fun. Hey, I, I've said many times. I'll say it again. Magic is a zero sum game when it comes to fun. So oh, yeah, fuck I'm, your opponents. <laughs> right, but there's no reason to be rude about it. I guess is of what course, I should no, say. No, of course, <laughs> metaphorically, fuck them. You know. Right. No, but I think that a lot of good comes out of being nice to playing with people. Like, oh, of course, yeah. I, I literally just sent out a message today, and you, you were on it because of uh, the upcoming Worcester event this weekend. I have mm-hmm. a buddy. He's a great Magic player. He just doesn't own a Legacy deck. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, you know, if you can get your hands on a Legacy deck, I'll play virtually anything. I sent out a message to, you know, 10, 15 people who I play Legacy with, you know, weekly or monthly or even yearly. And within 10 minutes, I could pretty much give him the format. And a lot of that comes from... L- you know, becoming friends with these people, being nice to these people, yep. you know, so it, it does add up from a community sense and from the ability to, you know, play Blood Moon on turn one and have people not cuss you <laughs> out. You buy some amount of, uh, you know, some You're amount, some of, amount of goodwill from, from being a good guy. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see if there's any more relevant questions here. Uh I don't know if this is an inside joke. Did you ever play Belcher previously? Uh, no, Nick Pin plays Belcher and or has played Belcher and we often would run into each other and it just becomes a coin flip oh all right so as he said what's your favorite way to win with these things (laughs) I I often died to them (laughs) fair (laughs) um and Dave Petalus asks how good do you feel when someone cracks a fetch plays forest and casts a Birchlore Ranger, asking for a friend. Uh, if you can't guess, he plays Elves, and he's a very good friend of mine, and it feels very good, because that matchup is very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, was there? Well, I don't know if there was any other questions you saw on this list that you wanted to answer. Some of them are a little a little too silly, uh, including a, a pair from our friend DJ Zeko, um, asking what kind of sandwich Jeremy would be. Also, <laughs> why is the answer Pop-Tart? And that's because it's a Pop-Tart. Oh, literally one just popped in. Hanwar Garrison, why don't you play it? Uh, there's no room. Uh, okay. Hanwar Garrison, I've played it from time to time. I played it when it came out. Uh, it was good, but the problem was you need too much spots um, in your deck. You already have you know 30-something spots taken up by your mana and your lock pieces. You only get so much room. Hanwar Garrison is the two in a red for a 2-3 soldier, and when it attacks, put two 1-1 one, one red human tokens onto the battlefield, tap and attacking. Correct. If It just feels like Rabble Master is just better than this, right? Yeah, it's a worse Rabble Master unless you're facing Pyroclasms, which we're not facing a ton of Pyroclasms right now. Sure, sure. Um, but it would go to complement Rabble Master. Uh, I have just chosen to have slightly bigger things to complement Rabble Master than sticking low to the ground. Uh, and Barra also asked, is main deck bridge worth it? And God, yes, it is. Man, so yeah, that, many that decks did... cannot beat main deck bridge. Yeah, that did some serious work, too. Like, And again, you have... It's not like um, uh, you don't have options. Like, it wouldn't seem like you'd have a lot of options to pitch cards in your deck. But you do. Between, like... Uh, uh, what was it? Between Hazaret and... Um, and uh, what was it? Not Pierre and Kieran. There was another pitch pitch outlet you had, and now I can't think of it. Uh, the only discard outlet I have is Hazaret, but you can do a lot of weird things, like you have three or four cards in hand, and then you're just like, here's my bridge, I'm just going to cast a bunch of 
uh, chrome boxes with no imprint right. on them or imprint oh, seen, things at random Simeon Spirit guide and suddenly too. you just are at zero cards. Yeah. I've seen you I've seen you pitch Simeon Spirit guide just oh, yeah. to just, just to, to make mana, just okay. to get under the bridge. Yeah. 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 So those you have are, you have a lot of backdoor good. outs in that way, but Hazard's the only one that you get a, a bonus for. Gotcha. Actively yeah, actively be able to, to discard cards. Okay. Um, yeah, main deck bridge. I will <laughs> again just from watching a few of your matches yesterday. It seemed to be to do some serious work for you. Yep. It, uh, there's some decks that just can't beat it, and there's a lot of decks that it puts enough of a crimp in that uh, they have real issues. Like they're trying to just de- burn you out with uh, death right shamans when there's also like a blood moon in play, and they can't. They're running out. They only have one black a turn, and they can't fill their graveyard. You just end up stabilizing a lot at like six and eight when they run out, and they're like, "Yep, that's the end of the game." Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, that I think that wraps up pretty much our legacy challenge stuff. Unless there was anything else you wanted to kind of finish it off with. Um, no, that seems to be most of it. The deck feels like it's in a good place right now. Uh, I tend to feel that way. My list is, again, a little bit different than everyone else's. But overall, it it used to be a prison deck that had a combo finish with Mogcatcher. Uh, mm-hmm. And now this deck is fully well-rounded, more or less, where you're a prison deck that can sometimes be very aggressive and sometimes be very defensive and sometimes play this like weird interactive game where you're throwing stuff with P and Kieran and you're wrathing their board and spot removal. So a, a lot of the advantage of this deck is your opponent doesn't know what you're going to do because your deck is so disparate. Your cards are so different. You can't look at... Ins- I have Ensnaring Bridge and Hazrit in the same deck. Come mm-hmm. on. Hazrit can literally never attack when there's an Ensnaring Bridge down. It's the ultimate in non-bows. But because of the way the deck functions... I've had a lot of opponents where they're like, I can keep this hand, this hand's great against you, unless you have a turn one moon, so I need to mulligan it. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm looking at my hand that has a turn two Rabble Master, turn three Rabble Master, and they mulligan to force, and I play a turn two Rabble Master, and they're like, ah, force it. And then I play a turn three Rabble Master, and they get hit for a couple, <laughs> and they kill it, and then I play a Shana, and they're like, yeah, I, my, my hand would have ruined you, but I mulliganed <laughs> it because I couldn't beat your other side of your deck. Right. So you do get a lot of value off having cards that are so functionally different that do work towards the same goal that your opponents don't always have the ability to find or keep the right cards. Mm-hmm. All right, very cool. Um, all right, well, this weekend we are looking forward to SCG Worcester, which I think you mentioned you will be attending, correct? Yes, I will be. Awesome. And uh, you're going to be on, what, Death and Taxes? You're playing some Sneaking Show? You're going to be playing some Storm? What are you going to be on? I think it's Aluren this weekend. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no. It's it's the same deck I've been playing for six years. It's putting Blood Moons into play and having my opponents get mad at me. Man, I, I've, been, I've, built, I've built multiple Legacy decks in every single large event I've gone to. Uh, even even some of the smaller events, I cannot pull myself away from Blue Red Delver. So anyone who listens to the cast or who knows me knows that I'll... More than likely be playing Blue Red Delver. Uh, I will be more than likely playing Blue Red Delver uh, unless I lose my deck somehow between now and Saturday. So uh, I'm really yeah, right? I'm really excited for the uh, for the event. Um, we have a lot of awesome people coming in. Actually, from I know Aaron uh, Campbell, our friend, is going to be coming in. Um, obviously, we have all the locals who'll be going down there. Uh, I, I don't know if they have. Do they have any artists that attend these things? I've, I haven't been in SCG since uh, last year. I can't recall. Uh, you can check on their site. I don't think they have. Uh, traveling artists for the 
uh, opens. I think they had them at the Invitationals. No, oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. You can certainly check on their website. They have a good list of everything that they have. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time. They always put on on good events. I really like the uh, the large legacy events like this. So, um, so Zach, uh, you know, kind of what do you expect to kind of see as far as I know? Everyone asks like, oh, what do you think the meta game is going to be like? And I think the standard answer is it's going to be just a legacy meta game. But is there anything you think that is region specific people should look out for? Um, so region specific, we are slightly higher in our, you know, number of, uh, lands and miracles than most other places mm-hmm. from what I'm to understand. Um, like New England players in all formats like to play control decks. I don't know why, <laughs> but that, that's just kind of how it goes. But I will say, like I said to someone on stream the other day, um, I think modern has gone too far in terms of how many decks it has. I think legacy is mm-hmm. just about right. Maybe a little bit over, but People are going to play what people own. Uh, the decks are too expensive to be going around and swapping. Yes, there's some people who swap decks all the time and change in and out, and they have everything. But you're looking at sub-5% of people. More mm-hmm. or less, people are like me. Even if I could build another Legacy deck, I'm not going to, because I play my Legacy deck. I play, I do what I do. And yep. you play Blue Red Delver, and Jerry plays Sneak and Show. And, you know, you go on down the list, people know what people are. Yeah. So... A lot of times what's going to happen is it's going to be a very varied field, and you need to be prepared for that. Um, You can either do that by kind of spreading yourself thin and hoping you're okay in every matchup, or going, hey, man, if I face a graveyard deck, I lose, and just cutting all your graveyard hate and doing something like that. Mm -hmm. There's two philosophies to that, and how you want to go about it is kind of up to you as a person. Uh, But... It's definitely worth noting, because I've, I've had too many people be like, oh my god, I just lost to Aluren. Why is anyone playing Aluren? And you're like, well, I see that guy play Aluren, you know, twice a week for two yeah. years, and he's a pretty good Aluren <laughs> player, but it's also what he has. Right. And that's every single person in the tournament is like that. Yep. So, or not everyone, but you know what I mean. People, the the... I don't want to say expect the unexpected, but you're going to play the unexpected. Right. You're going to play your Delvers, you're going to play your things, but you're also going to run into a Belcher here and there. You're going to run into someone playing Buglands. You're going to run into uh, someone playing, oh, you know, I, I don't know, Food Chain. And you can't be like, oh my god, I got so unlucky, I faced this deck I wasn't prepared for. You just need to understand that that's how the format works, and while it is more defined than something like Modern, you should be well-versed on what uh, every deck, or, you know, the top 20, the top 25 decks in mm-hmm. um, Legacy, and what you want to do about them. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Uh, looks like the uh, event is capped at 900. Do you think we'll make the cap this year? Um, they did send out an email saying, hey, in the past these have capped. People might want to yeah. sign up early. I know I've already signed up for the same reason. So if anyone's yep. listening to this, because I know it comes out <laughs> slightly before you should probably sign up before you walk in in the morning and yeah. they're like, they're turning you away. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, that would suck. That would suck big time. And also the, the play mat is actually, and I'm not really big into the play mats. I, I generally just end up selling them or they sit in my closet, but this one is uh doomsday if I'm not mistaken. It is. Sweet. Uh, yeah, it's the, uh, invocation doomsday. Yeah, it is. It is really sweet. Like I, I might actually play with that playback cause the art is pretty cool. Yeah, it is a pretty good one. Uh, it's, it's, it's you know, it's no uh, chalice of the void, but it, it's, it's decent. No, no, I, I normally play on a big giant blood moon because my heart is on my sleeve. 
<laughs> um, and uh, just before we get out of here, any tips for people for surviving large events like this? I know day ones, nine rounds. It's a lot of it's a lot of matches for us mortals. Not a guy like you who's playing twenty five matches in a single day. But uh, any any tips you have, like good ways to get through the day? Uh, you guys should do better than me. Um, I <laughs> I have a tendency to do everything wrong. I forget to. You know, I forget to eat during the day. I forget to drink. That's something that happens often. Uh, but realistically, prepare for a long day. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say you're going to go out and run a marathon. I'm not one of those people who believe you know these crazy theories. But it does take more than sitting around. Yeah. You don't realize it, but by the end of six rounds, your vision's going a little, and you got a headache, and you know. Get your water, get your rest, do all the things that every article has told you to do because that's how you actually should do this. Um, Also, I'd advise, you know, taking time in between rounds, going outside, talking with friends, walking around. Um, It's very important. I see a bunch of people, like, in between games, grinding games. And I get it. We love magic. That's why we're there. But it's probably not the best time if you want to do well at something like this to do to exert yourself for no reason. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so just, you know, take it easy, get some air, um, that type of stuff. Again, there's a thousand articles on how to survive large magic events. Read them. They're all right. Cause <laughs> it's true. They all say the same thing. It's cause that's what you do. You know, get your food, get your snacks, get your water, uh, don't take anything too seriously. Don't tilt off into the sun. Don't go up to other players and tilt off at them, going, "Oh my God, look what happened to my opponent." Yeah, no one wants to hear those stories. Yeah, the, the bad beats are always the worst. Like, and honestly, like like you said, just take care of yourself when you're out there. Um, it'll it'll do you really good. I I generally will eat a good breakfast and then I don't eat the rest of the day until dinner, just because there's usually not enough time between rounds for me, and I try to stay away from. The convention area, the convention's food. Yeah, I would probably stay away from that, too. Yeah, it's usually just hot garbage. Uh, There are a ton of great restaurants in the Worcester area to go to. Um, The Fix is one of my favorites. Uh, There's a a Boston Beer Works company or or, uh, Brew City. That's what it is. Yeah, Brew City's Um, over there. Yeah, uh, they have, uh, if you want, like, some upscale Italian. They have uh, have Via. They have the the 111 Chop House. uh, I mean, they have they have just a ton of great restaurants out in Worcester. It's really a it's an awesome city for this event. So there's no shortage of good food. So go eat some of the good food. Don't eat the convention food. Go get dinner afterwards. Get something good to eat. Uh, support some of the local businesses. Are you saying we shouldn't eat at the Uno's across the road? <laughs> people, I can't believe people actually eat there. That's like that's not even better than convention food. These people should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> I, I've been there a couple times after events because we just we needed to eat something and then immediately leave. But yeah, yeah if, if you're going to do that, go to the Mexican place, the tequila bar, okay. the mezcal that's uh, across from that. It's literally diagonal from the place. That place is actually pretty good. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm, I have a, yeah, if I go out to eat, I'm usually eating something that's that's fairly nice, so. But there, yeah. there's a ton of great, I mean, Worcester's had a kind of renaissance in the last decade or so, and there's just so many great places to eat there. You can't, there's no shortage of, of excellent dining experiences to be had. Um, all right, well, Zach, before we uh, before we get out of here, um, obviously we like to do scoops in a top eight. So who do you want to scoop in a top eight this week? Um, I already started. I already started you off with your first scoop. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's free. That's, that's you can have that one. 
and that's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to thank everyone, as he's cl- called them, uh, Zachalites, because it's a good name. I got to give him that. Um, but everyone, I'm making been... a stick, man. I'm making a stick. Yeah, you're making it stick. You're you're making fetch happen. Um, everyone who's been supporting me on my stream, uh, I know it's kind of ragtag and put together at this point. You know, I'm I'm not the best, but I'm still here. Uh, but lot, I've got a few subscribers now. Um, I have a lot of people following me. Uh, it's uh, OPTIMIS344. Uh, that's my Twitch name. Um, I stream a lot of standard during the week, uh, some random decks, because I do play all the other formats. I'm not just a legacy-only guy. Uh, but I have been streaming my legacy deck as well, and I streamed this entire uh, event that we've been talking about. You can go back and watch most of it, though. As I do want to comfort myself, I listen to music while I stream, so some of it has been muted out, but not not as much as I thought was I would be. So, yeah, I I just have to thank everyone who's helped me supporting me with that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's certainly different than just playing on your own, so uh, it's interesting. Other than that, I'm gonna give the same scoops I always give out uh, to Next Gen Comics and Pelham. I play Magic there all the time, and to um, gaming, etc. I play Magic there all the time. You know, they're both great stores. One uh, is a little more cozy than the other, as gaming, etc. is, you know, giant and just held 100 people the other day for our Legacy event. Yeah, that was uh, super fun. And then my buddies, uh, Adam, Joe, Dave, uh, people I play Legacy with all the time, or people I play Magic with and just hang out with. And uh, recently, I have to give him some credit. Uh, I think you guys had him on here, uh, Marcus Roth. Yeah, um, yep. you had him on. I've, we've been playing with his cube a lot recently, so I have to give him a a lot of uh, credit because he's been working on that commander cube a lot, and we've been trying to figure out exactly how to what direction to take it recently. So he's nice. been uh, doing a lot of good work. Yeah, I've actually never cubed, um, so he's uh, Jerry was shocked, and he's trying to get me to cube sometime with him and or or Marcus or whatever. So it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard good things. It's just. Drafting is not like my style of magic, generally speaking. But I would, I would do it for a cube. Cube, cube isn't draft. It, <laughs> it you do the fun part of the draft. So drafting, the fun part is drafting because you get to like construct this super cool deck and you know figure things out on the fly. But then you need to play with all these low power crappy two twos for two because <laughs> you know you're drafting. Right. Uh, cubing is you get to do all the cool super things and draft stuff on the fly and find your archetype and do some cool things. And then you get to play with these super cool constructed looking decks that, you know, cast show and tell and do all the stupid things. <laughs> like it, you still get the experience of playing a constructed game of magic, just a little bit less consistent. Uh, but you also get the super fun part of drafting with a bunch of friends. Sounds sweet. So, yeah. Scoops to all them. Obviously, scoops to you guys. Uh, and uh, I'll see a bunch of you guys out in Worcester. Uh, Pat, yeah, what do you got? Can't wait. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to scoop in uh, our newest Patreon subs, uh, Corey Roth and Justin Hockney. Guys, thanks so much for supporting the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Please join the uh, Discord channel so you can talk to us directly and uh, just meet some of the other uh uh, people in the Patreon family. Again, we really appreciate the support. Um, also, I want to scoop you and Zach. It was it was so great to have you both streaming yesterday because I had a ton of free time. Unlike my normal Sundays, um, I had a lot of free time. It was great to watch you play. Um, 
you've kind of inspired me to start building the deck, which is one of my biggest weaknesses. I watch someone play a deck that I find really interesting or looks like it's a lot of fun to play. And then I just start building the deck. And even if I never play it, which has happened on more than one occasion. Um, but yeah, so uh, and with some of the reprints, it might make the deck a little easier to put together. Um, so thank you so much for streaming that. And also, um, thanks for coming on the cast, man. It was great to have you. No problem. If you guys, like I said, I have my deck on Magic Online now. If you ever have one of your stream days and you want me to join you on that and we can play it and go through everything, we can do that or I can just lend you the deck online or whatever because it'll get you a feel of if it's worth it for you to build it in paper because it's yeah. certainly not for everyone. Yeah, totally. I, w- I, would, I would love that. I would love to do a, a co-stream with you. I think it would be a lot of fun. We can definitely get uh, the, the details hammered out there for sure. Yeah. Um, also, you have a Twitter too, right? You want to just put, kind of pitch your Twitter here? I'll make sure to, to post the link in the show notes, but if anyone wants to follow Zach on Twitter, where can they find you, man? Uh, it's the amazing Zach with underscores in between each word. So the underscore amazing underscore Zach tribute to the amazing Jonathan, great comedian. And uh, no no K or or H on the Zach is just uh, Z A C. Yeah, Z A C. That way it fits in pinball machines. <laughs> also, uh, you can find him on Twitch. It's it's uh, Twitch.tv slash Optimus three four four. Yep, O P T M N O P T I M I S three four four. Um, also, you can find Jerry uh, at JMEE3RD on Twitter. You can find me at Pat Uglow on Twitter. You can find the stream, twitch.tv slash Pat Uglow. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash leavinglegacy. Find us on Hipsters of the Coast. You can join the Facebook group. If you want to email us, it's leavinglegacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. Man, that's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for hanging out, man. It was great to talk to you, and uh, we'll see you all at SU Worcester. Yeah.